This episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Become a patron today at patreon.com forward slash into the portal. to the portal. Well, this week we thought we would bring you all something a little bit different. Our series on goblins has led us down many interesting avenues and into many different aspects of world history and culture. The making of myths blended with reality in a melding of poetic paranormal beauty. Tonight, we are once more heading back into the world of goblins, this time with some classic tales of Japanese lore. The Goblin of Oyayama. In the reign of Emperor Ichio, many dreadful stories were current in Kyoto in regard to a demon that lived on Mount Oi. This demon could assume many forms, sometimes appearing as a human being. He would steal into Kyoto and leave many a home destitute of well-loved sons and daughters. These young men and women he took back to his mountain lair. A stronghold, and then sat to narrate after making sport of them. He and his goblin companions made a great feast and devoured these poor young people. Even the sacred court was not exempt from these awful happenings, and one day Kimitaka lost his beautiful daughter. She had been snatched away by the goblin king Shutendoji. When the sad news reached the ears of the emperor, he called on his council, all of them together, and consulted how they might slay this dreadful creature. His ministers informed his majesty that Raiko was a doughty knight, and advised that he should be sent with certain companions on this perilous but worthy adventure. Raiko accordingly chose five companions, and told them what had been ordained and how they were to set out upon an adventurous journey, and finally to slay the king of the goblins. He explained that subtlety of action was most essential if they wished for success in their enterprise, and that it would be well to go disguised as mountain priests, and to carry their armor and weapons on their backs, carefully concealed in unconspicuous-looking knapsacks. Before starting upon their journey, two of the knights went to pray at the temple of Hachiman, the god of war, two at the shrine of Kwanon, the goddess of mercy, and two at the temple of Gonjen. When these knights had prayed for a blessing upon their undertaking, they set out upon their journey, and in due time reached the province of Tamba, and saw immediately in front of them Mount Oi. The goblin had certainly chosen the most formidable of mountains. Mighty rocks and great dark forests obstructed their path in every direction, while almost bottomless chasms appeared when they least expected. Just when these brave knights were beginning to feel a little disheartened, three old men suddenly appeared before them. 
At first, these newcomers were regarded with suspicion, but later on, with the utmost friendliness and thankfulness. These old men were none other than the deities to whom the knights had prayed before setting upon their journey. The old men presented Raiko with a jar of magical sake, called Shimben Kidokushu, a cordial for men, but a poison for goblins, advising him that he should by strategy get Shutendoji, king of the goblins, to drink it, whereupon he would immediately become paralyzed and prove an easy victim for their final dispatch. No sooner had these old men given the magical sake and proffered their valuable advice than a miraculous light shone round them, and they vanished into the clouds. Once again, Raiko and his knights, much cheered by what had happened, continued to ascend the mountain. Coming to a stream, they noticed a beautiful woman washing a blood-stained garment in the running water. She was weeping bitterly, and wiped away her tears with the long sleeves of her kimono. Upon Raiko asking who she was, she informed him that she was a princess, and one of the miserable captives of the Goblin King. When she was told that it was none other than the great Raiko who stood before her, and that he and his knights had come to kill the vile creature of that mountain, she was overcome with joy, and finally led the little band to a great palace of black iron, satisfying the sentinels by telling them that her followers were poor mountain priests who sought temporary shelter. After passing through long corridors, Raiko and his knights found themselves in a mighty hall. At one end sat the awful Goblin King. He was gigantic in stature, with bright red skin and a mass of white hair. When Raiko meekly informed him who they were, the Goblin King concealed his mirth, bade them be seated and join the feast that was about to be set before them. Thereupon he clapped his red hands together and immediately many beautiful damsels came running in with an abundance of food and drink. And as Raiko watched these women, he knew that they had once lived in happy homes in Kyoto. When the feast was in full progress, Raiko took out the jar of magical sake and politely begged the Goblin King to try it. The Goblin King, without hesitation or suspicion, drank some of the sake and found it so good that he asked for a second cup. All of the goblins there partook of the magic wine, and while they were drinking, Raiko and his companions danced. The power of this magical drink soon began to work, the Goblin King became drowsy, till finally he and his fellow goblins fell fast asleep. Then Raiko sprang to his feet, and he and his knights rapidly donned their armor and prepared for war. Once more, the three deities appeared before them and said to Raiko, We have tied the hands and feet of the demon fast, so you have nothing to fear. While your knights cut off his limbs, do you cut off his head? Then kill the rest of Oni evil spirits, and your work here will be done. Then these divine beings suddenly disappeared once again. Part two, Raiko slays the goblin. Raiko and his knights with their swords drawn cautiously approached the sleeping goblin king. With a mighty sweep, Raiko's weapon came crashing down on the goblin's neck 
No sooner was the head severed than it shot up into the air, and smoke and fire poured out from the nostrils, scorching the valent. Raiko once more, he struck out with his sword, and this time the horrible head fell to the floor, and never moved. It was not long before these brave knights dispatched the demon's followers also. There was a joyful exit from the great iron palace as Raiko's five knights carried the monster's head, that of the goblin king, and this grim spectacle was followed by the company of happy maidens released at last from their horrible confinement and eager to walk once again in the streets of Kyoto. Part 3 the Goblin Spider. Sometime after the incident with the Goblin King, Raiko became seriously ill and was obliged to keep to his room. At about midnight, a little boy always brought him some medicine. This boy was unknown to Raiko, but as he kept so many servants, it did not at first awaken suspicion. Raiko grew worse instead of better and always worse immediately after he had taken the medicine from the boy. So he began to think that some supernatural force was the cause of his illness. At last, Raiko asked his head servant if he knew anything about the boy who came to him at midnight. Neither the head servant nor anyone else in the house seemed to know anything about him. By this time, Raiko's suspicions were fully awakened, and he was determined to go carefully into the matter. When the small boy came again at midnight, instead of taking the medicine, Raiko threw the cup at his head, and drawing his sword attempted to kill the boy. A sharp cry of pain rang out through the room, but as the boy was flying from the apartment, he threw something at Raiko. It spread outward in a huge white sticky web, which clung so tightly to Raiko that he could hardly move. No sooner had he cut the web through with his sword, then another enveloped him. Raiko then called for assistance, and his chief retainer met the miscreant in one of the corridors of the house and stopped his further progress with an extended sword. The goblin threw a web over him, too. When he at last managed to break free and run into his master's room, he saw that Raiko had also been the victim of the goblin spider. This goblin spider was eventually discovered in a cave, writhing in pain, blood flowing from a sword cut on the head. Already being wounded, he was instantly killed, and with his death there passed away the evil influence that had caused Raiko's serious illness. From that hour, the hero regained his health and strength, and a sumptuous banquet was prepared in honor of the happy event. These stories tell us yet again the significance of such creatures in the mythologies and legends throughout the world. Japanese myths, unlike others, are oftentimes blurred with more of the fantastical and the unbelievable. Yet here we find another tale of goblin lore, hinting at creatures hiding in mountains and caves, much like the ones we find all over the world. These short stories were read from a book titled Myths and Legends of Japan by F. Halland Davis, complete with 32 illustrations by Evelyn Paul. Thank you so much for listening to this first ever edition of Strange Story Saturdays on Into the Portal. We will be back tomorrow with an all-new mystery.
Stay tuned.